Welcome to the latest Royal Blue podcast. I'm your host, Paul Wheelock, and I'm pleased to be joined by Joe Thomas, Conor O'Neill, and Gav Buckland. Uh, they say a week's a long time in politics. It's, you've got nothing on. <laughs> Being an Evertonian, it was uh, well, some days ago, wasn't it, that uh, we sat in this room basking in the glory of a, of a great win at Crystal Palace and talking about how a season of mid-table mediocrity was, uh, was going to await. And as you say, uh, one week later, Everton have been plunged back into the relegation places after as is well documented now the club has been hit with a 10 point deduction after her from from the premier league and the independent commission i know joe you've been on podcasts with ian crawl and, and connor over the weekend so i'm just going to start with you gav if that's the if that's okay because the first time you've heard we'll have heard, heard from you on on royal blue since, yeah. since the bombshell news on on friday how, how are you feeling about it all um to be honest with you, probably like a lot of people, I don't. I think we've got a pretty fair hearing from the commission. I don't disagree a lot with any of the and the points that they raised. Uh, I think, in retrospect, Everton may have may look back and say we should perhaps should have approached things differently. Um, I'm thinking about Dad actually saying first of all saying we don't think we're guilty and then saying well we are uh, perhaps. Um, and that said, though. The one thing that you know does concern it's not a concern it's that needs explaining is the 10 point uh deduction the fact that it just says at the bottom doesn't it we were fine or whatever you would call it you know we were punished everyone by a 10 point deduction how that how's that how's that happened you know what's the rationale for that and that that needs explaining but apart from that i didn't really have a, a major issue with any any of the points that were raised Apart from it, they, they did throw up a couple of things about the Premier League. You know what is talk about like processes? The Premier League took nine months to get back to everything. You know, when we did our original submission in March 2022, these are the keys and factors. The Premier League took nine months to respond to us, which I thought was a bit odd. Um, and also the Premier League trying to, like, when they said about, oh, we think this should be like a six-point penalty, whatever, we should apply what goes on in the AFL. And the, and the Commission threw that out, I thought. Thought that was commission awesome. threw it out, but then seemed to build the only, well, the only logical way to get to ten points is by applying right, that principle. So that, that's what, yeah, so that needs explaining. That said, we might we might not know ever whether this well we might not know until the next case similar to Evan happens whether we're being given ten points is fair or not. If somebody breaches it the same way as Everton has in future and gets ten points, and as you well know, there's a couple of clubs on the cusp then it'll be seen in a different light. So just that there's there's no context to it because we all know this is the first case of its type. So it may take time to to play out. But other than that, I didn't you know, I know there's a lot of noise for to use one of Dice's favourite words, but I didn't think I thought the commission was pretty pretty fair to us. Joe, 48, 48 hours on, you know, you've you've been at the the heart of our coverage and you've you've seen how supporters have reacted, you've seen how pundits have reacted but what's your take on it all now like the dust is settling a little bit I think that's a very measured view from Gav to be perfectly honest I think that our starting point really you know, before we get into the points uh, deduction the size of it how they reached it and, and some of the positions that the Premier League took I think there has to be an acceptance I think there is an acceptance from from certainly from Everton fans that you know, the reality is this is a judgement which when you look at the the headlines, it becomes an argument over interest on different bits of uh, different loans and what they were used for and things like transfer levies. So it's very easy to get lost in obscure financial specifics on this. But what this really is, is it's a judgment from the Premier League backed up by the Independent Commission on the excess of the Farhad Mashiri years and a sustained, consistent um process of poor decision making where the club has effectively gambled on spending first 
hoping that sporting performance will then back that up. And as a result, they would create a self-sufficient footballing operation, which, as we all know, we've lived through the relegation battles of the last two years and the mediocrity that came before that, that hasn't hasn't transpired. So, yeah, nobody, I don't think, anybody here, and I don't think anyone within the fan base is arguing that one Evan haven't you know, breached these rules. They, No one's arguing Evan have been particularly well run over recent years. Um, and no one's really arguing that the... Everton didn't gamble on something which failed to materialise. I think it's important that we all recognise that. But I do think it's very, I do think it's possible to hold that opinion and say, okay, look, Everton have committed some wrongdoing here. Um, some of the issues have been glaringly obvious, and obviously we've written about them over, you know, certainly over, over the last year. But I do also think that there is you know, justification to the idea that the club have been disproportionately treated. Um, Certainly, and I do also think that you know there's there's weight to claim to Evan have had bad luck over this period. They, yeah, they're mitigating to mitigating an argument to a lot of these largely unforeseen, unpredictable consequences, which hit Everton harder than they would have done other clubs. Partly because the cycle of where Everton were, it just happened to things like COVID seem to happen just as Everton had embarked on that process that other clubs have done over the you know, last 20 years like Man City and Chelsea and perhaps done it over a more stable time so they haven't been hit with unexpected costs and, and fees as a result of that and then also things like the Russian invasion of, of Ukraine which we could have an argument around the, the ties of the sponsorship deals that Everton were embarked for around that and, and and what they were based on and, 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 and yeah, their kind of uh, legitimacy and, and things like that but there's no doubt that it hit Everton in a way that it, it, it didn't hit other clubs but I do think it's you know it's clear from the fan base's perspective and it's clear from a lot of the pundits and, and politicians Steve Rover and Andy Burnham and, and others as well that there is a, a sentiment here that Everton have been unfairly treated I think that when you look at the period for all I've just said there £105 million threshold they breached it by £19.5 million and there's probably a lot of people that look at this and thinking when we know the numbers of Everton's losses over those years probably actually surprised that they got that close to the threshold. I mean, that's 19.5 million pounds as an average player these days. It's one fiftieth of what Chelsea has spent in the past free transfer windows. So when you start looking at things like that and then you start looking at some of the other mitigating factors like Everton opening up their books, it's clear that whilst there's an argument over whether Everton misled the commission on certain, certain bits and pieces, there's no allegation of dishonesty from the Premier League. Um, and it's also clear that a lot of the case that's built up against Everton has been done so based on the contracts, the documents that they've put forward to this commission as well. So, yeah, that isn't necessarily kind of taken... It's hard to see how that's been taken fairly into account when you then look at the 10-point the penalty. And I think, you know, Gav obviously made the point here, you know, at, at the start about, you know, it would have been easier... It might have been better if Everton had pleaded innocence from the very beginning of this process... And that's a fair point, but I think there's also a measure of the grey area, the lack of clarity we have around these by, you know, to the Premier League, nine months to, to basically come back to Everton and say, yeah. you know, you're wrong. So it's clear that, you know, we have been living through unprecedented times, mainly with the pandemic, and that filters into, um, you know, this, this, these findings, this investigation. We've also been living through a period of time where the Premier League has probably tried to take a new approach to financial wrongdoing. And within that, I think there are a lot of grey areas and it's clear that, you know, some probably through misunderstanding, some through maybe trying to push their luck a little bit, you know, and have come down on the, the wrong side of some of those. But 
it's not as if there's a clear structure here with with obvious parameters and, and red lines that that were always in existence in open web, which obviously complicate the case. And again, you kind of think that that lack of clarity would maybe work towards Evans' favour when you come to a breach, which is actually quite small in the grand scheme of things. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Can just add a couple of things. I think comments about the club is one. One of them was that the Premier League and the Commission said that they misled the Commission saying originally that the loan for the stadium, you know, that the loan that they got was for the stadium and it wasn't, and then had to change the story. The other thing was the the claim of the the seven point six million pounds about the the four percent transfer levy, mm-hmm. which the, the the Premier League and the Commission both said was novel. Yep. And therefore, another way to sort of waste our time a little bit here. Uh, I don't think that helped. And there's also a statement I think that came, I think from I'm not sure who it was, uh, who was representing Everton that their job was to protect Everton mm-hmm. in this like in the same way a tax accountant does to, min- so to minimise our liabilities for, for the, the PSR profit sustainability process. And, and both the Commission and the Premier League said that that was wrong. That that you know they, they should act in good faith. You've got to do in, in the you know, under the rules of the Premier League. And to have that approach was not helpful and, and it was in breach of, of, of uh, Rule 15, I think it is. And and I was think I was looking at that thinking we didn't really need to mm. need to set, make that point. Um and were, uh, if it was being really harsh, I think there was a little bit of uh, the dogs at my homework in some some of the stuff. Um but I think a more sensible balanced approach with would have been just to say, yes, we accept it. But there's a couple of some mitigating factors which I don't necessarily agree with some to be fair, right. and then just see what was see what was, what you know see the outcome of that. Um, the one thing with technical thing, don't bore everybody, which stood out for me, is we got loaned because of COVID, didn't we? It actually says under the government scheme, and those interest on those loans we never claimed <laughs> as a, as an adjustment. So some of those loans that we don't appear to have claimed that within within the books, and I thought that was a bit bit strange. The other ones that we put onto the stadium, well, some of them were for COVID. Mm-hmm. So hang on a minute, why didn't we just say to the the Premier League that, that those interest payments to that are not for the stadium? Actually, because we've had to find sixty million pounds worth of income that we've lost, we've had to find that fired alone. So therefore, the interest on that loan should be written off for the calculation. But we don't appear to have done that, which I thought was was a bit strange. So yeah, I, I I think I think we can feel a little bit hard done by with the point deduction and the lack of explanation. But at the same time, I think we could have handled things a little bit, a bit more balanced view. Maybe should have read the room. And and this August twenty twenty one agreement, I think, is also a big one for me because we and it's it's this is what all the clubs picked up on is we said to the Premier League, didn't we? Twenty twenty one, we think we're going to be in breach. One of the reasons we're going to be in breach is there's there's I think it's forty or fifty million pounds worth. Expense on the stadium that you are not allowed allowing us to you know count against PSR, um, and that, and then the Premier League said okay we'll allow that we you know we won't include that in so you're not in breach for 2021 but as part of that you you've got to remain within within the limits for 20 well 21 22 and 23 and 12 months later we're in breach. <laughs> 
the 22, you know, 22 limits and possibly in 23. And I think, I think that's also led to some of the Premier League's behaviour in this is that we've done a deal with you, but at the same time, what's happened subsequently that to, to avoid any sanctions is you've now reached that agreement. And, and I think that we've not heard the last of that. I think that could end up being part of the whatever compensation, you know, clubs want. I think there'd be points into that that agreement that we didn't we didn't but on face value didn't adhere to, and that that could that that's the that's the big thing the whole the whole crux of the matter of the commission is this August twenty one agreement, and uh, it, that that's yet to play out. Um, but at the same time, I do feel we've been treated harshly because we know there's other clubs on the limit. As I said on Friday, Chelsea two hundred sixty million losses in the same period as us. Where is the conversations between the Premier League mm-hmm. and Chelsea that you know similar to the ones that they've had with us about all this type of stuff? You know, Joe, you talk about mitigation, COVID, all that type of thing. Uh, I've not seen anything. You know, I'm not seeing about a commission to talk with Chelsea. Where is the evidence that there's been the same rigor? And let's face it, the Premier League has been very rigorous in its treatments of Everton. Where is where is the evidence of be the Premier League being rigorous with Chelsea and, and other clubs? And I think that that's a point I would be making if I was Evan, is how assured are we that we've been treated fairly here compared to other clubs who are not in this, as bad a position as us, but in a similar position? And what will you be doing going forward to make sure that they're treated the same as us? Because, as fans say, there's two different rules in the Premier League, isn't it? The big clubs and the small clubs. And I think that's what I'd be saying if I was I was Evan. So I do think there's, I do think there is... A case for us to say that we've been treated a little bit unjustly, un- unfairly, but that might play out a little bit in the future to find out whether that's the case. But um, the ten point thing definitely needed to be needed to be explained, and it wasn't. And I thought that was a major omission. Mm-hmm. And I, I think as a fan base, there's probably certainly not in the Premier League. There's not been a fan base that's been more critical of the way a club has been running in, in, in recent years than Everton supporters. But as Gavin and Joe have been alluding to there, the the, the, the main focus of the fan base is the anger of, of, of the 10 points deduction. Do you think this is a, a different ball game completely and maybe the focus would be more back on the club again if it was, say, six points instead of 10? Well, I think what this does prove is that the fans were right all along in terms of, you know, those critical of, of them in the hierarchy not being running the club in an official way. We're proven right because obviously we've all read the report and we all see how damning it is and, you know, there's... Like Gavin Joel said, there's a lot of aspects in there that don't make pretty reading for Everton. And I think, you know, as someone who supports the football club, you're left scratching your thinking why and how we fans are. I mean, the first point is, because of me, Everton should not be in this position in the first place. We shouldn't be sat here now dissecting this and talking about this at length because they shouldn't be in this position. Any well-run football club wouldn't find itself in the position that we're in now. If Everton were a well-run football club, we'd probably be scratching our heads trying to think of something to talk about joining international break, but they're not. And that's why we find ourselves in this position we, we do now. So I think for me, it's it's almost vindication a little bit in that a lot of the concerns that some fans had about how the club was being run, decisions that were being made, have also been proven right because all them decisions have come now with massive consequences and that's a 10-point deduction. I still think there would have been people looking at the club had it been three points or six points, well, clearly something went wrong there and we, we were right. Yeah, for any sanction because ultimately for a long time Everton claimed that they were innocent 
And as we all read in the report, they admitted themselves during towards the end of the season that they actually were in breach and they'd done something wrong. So I think the focus would have been on the club, but I think given the nature of how this ten points is going about, that's what's really riled fans open and also you know, and, and left the the big thing that for me is these sorts of independent commissions and hearings and stuff, they should always provide more answers than questions. They should be done in a way where you come away and you think, well, well, I know why that was, I know why this was, I understand that. All this has done, in my opinion, is leave more questions, a lot more questions than answers because, and the biggest part of all is how on earth did they get to 10 points? Where did they pluck 10 points from? What was the thinking for Prospects behind it? Obviously, you know, the, the thing in the report about, well, you know, there's no point firing a football club, you've got a billionaire owner. Well, if you look at the accounts and stuff, Perhaps there's a suggestion that we're not as well off as what people believe. So yeah, yeah I think I think people are right to still look at the club and question the club because, like I say, all that kind of you know last this year essentially all the the thing that I've been said by fans and supporters where people in the main the mainstream national media perhaps question some of them beliefs. I've also been proven right, but the Premier League cannot get away with just imposing a ten point deduction on a football club without any reason and purpose. Just to add, but it is a fine, though, isn't it? Oh yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Both. It's it's a fine. No, it is. No, it is. Both. No, it's, it's both. both, isn't it? It's it's ten points deduction, but it's a fine because we could probably four, maybe four or five places as yeah. a result of that, and a two was it two point one million a pop or something like that. You could lose ten million pounds. So as I said on Friday, aren't we being punished twice for the same uh, same offence here? At the end of the season, can we say to the Premier League, can we have our 10 million quid back? <laughs> Legitimately, because you're punishing, if you're giving us the 10 point deduction, you're now fining us as well. Can we have that back? Well, well, well yeah, yeah. Paul said, you know, mix can change things. I wasn't the last one of these pods because I was in Barcelona. So, you know, but when you think of, you know, last week, you know, certainly I was I was away on holiday, whatever, the Crystal Palace and stuff, and you, you look around and you think, well, you know, we could finish 10th, 11th, 12th here. There's no reason why Everton can't be a, a mid-table team. Yeah, Probably not going to be great to watch, but will be effective and efficient and get points on the board. Now, all of a sudden, people will be sitting there, well, if we finish 17th, at least we've avoided a relegation, which, okay, yeah. on paper, I still think it'd be a travesty if Everton went down from this position that they're in, given what they're up against. But if you're a player of Burnley, Sheffield United, Luton, Bournemouth, the club's down here now, you'd be breathing a huge sigh of relief because straight away, and other clubs have been plummeted right in into the position where you are and they're just going to be looking over their shoulders and the one who's going to so the confidence that it could give other clubs this 10 point deduction as well I think shouldn't be overlooked because like I say if you're down there fact relegation looking at Everton thinking well they're slowly getting away from us and they're, that's one other team who we're not going to reach now all of a sudden you know only goal difference keeps Everton off the, the bottom of the table I think it, it, it is quite bigger and I think it's you know they talk about sanctions and stuff. Yeah, it's the worst possible sanction in, in every possible way. I think the other kudos I give to the club though is, and I think Joe did this before, we managed to agree with the Premier League and stuff like going from like two hundred and sixty million losses mm. to one hundred and twenty million losses. So, you know, behind the scenes, a lot of people at the club will work really hard to explain to the Premier League why we've taken so much this this off. You know, obviously there's obviously lots of income through Goodison being shut on tally, but there's a lot of work done around players' valuations and. Legitimate costs around COVID that has, has managed to get like what you think is a massive figure, try and get that down to 105, to get it down to 120 is a major job. And I think, you know, the club's done very, very well to do that. Um, and I think that should be remembered that it's not 100, you know, it's not 120 
figure, the, the, the gross figure is 260 mm. million, and we've done really well, I think, and, and kudos to the people involved. It's been really interesting, because one of, the, one of the things a lot of clubs and financial experts, been with us, and probably us as well, have pointed out over recent years is, is how much more excessive Everton's COVID losses appeared to be compared to everybody else in the Premier League. And obviously that's a cause for concern. Uh, it perhaps shows the vulnerability that Everton had to you know, changes in, in, in the market and, 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 and you know, global economic forces. But by having come so close to the threshold, it appears that the Premier League and the Commission essentially agree with the vast amount of money that haven't put forward as being eligible to be claimed back yeah. COVID losses. So in fairness to the club, you know, however they managed to do it, you know, whatever chicanery was used, ultimately they, they come very close to getting all of it done. Yeah, I think, I, um, yeah, that's, that's think, think the point you made there uh, just as, as well about Evan almost being double punished is, is, is interesting as well, because I think it holds merit because obviously an investigation like this, it has to have in mind, um, you know, imposing a sanction and, being a process where it's a deterrent for other clubs to breach the rules. And I think it's quite clear that through this process, the Premier League have done that. I mean, I'd argue that Evan were already a deterrent of how to, of how to money unwisely given yeah. the way in which it went backwards on the pitch. I mean, if Evan, there was a message to say, look, you need to, if you do come in somebody, you need to spend it wisely. I think Evan's sporting performance has already documented that. I think someone like Newcastle have benefited from haven't had the opportunity to start their process a couple of years later never, and almost see a lot of what, what they've done wrong. But whilst punishment and deterrent uh, are obviously core yeah, core principles or something like this, there also has to be a, a move towards helping clubs that find themselves in financial difficulties get to an even keel and you know, improve because obviously that improves the integrity of the Premier League. And it's in the Premier League's interest for these clubs to not carry on a downward trajectory and up either breaking rules or go into administration. And I think that when you extrapolate what we're looking at over a longer period of time, it's very clear that the trend in certainly in relation to Evan's spending over the course of transfer windows and on wages is a positive one. You know, it's clear that they've tightened their belt a lot over recent years. And they've done that in a bid to try and make themselves more sustainable. And now they're finally in a position where it looks like on the pitch, despite those measures, they've turned the page. They're getting hit again because yeah, the result this season could have been a 14th place finish, say, for instance, 14th, 15th. Yeah. And safety with six games to spare. And it's that time frame between making Everton safe and the end of the season, the beginning of the summer, which I think is the most crucial element of whatever they're working towards this season because <coughs> we know that over the last two years, their summer plans, they, they've, they've had to operate to tight budgets, but their plans have been affected by the very real threat up until the last week of the season that they could end up in the championship. So they're running parallel plans there. We say in the Premier League, also contingency plan for the transfer market if, if Everton go down as well. If Everton can avoid that this season, especially one where there's going to be a lot of players coming out of contract, they have the opinion. They have the opportunity to get a head start on the transfer market, and therefore perhaps strengthen in a more cheaper, sustainable way to help yeah. continue that positive trajectory that they're already on. But a ten-point deduction such as this has that double punishment. Again, obviously, it will affect where I'm finishing the Premier League table. I think they will still stay up, but they will lose out on you know two point one million pound or so for every place that they. That they, they, they finish lower than they would have done with the 10 points. But they also potentially lose that head start in the summer, which is another crucial aspect of trying to make the club 
more sustainable and more competitive, but on the budget going forward. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I think that's that's the basis of the appeal, isn't it? The appeal is you've given us a ten point uh, deduction, but it isn't. It's only ten points and ten million quid. Mm. So therefore, why don't we just call it five points? <laughs> Deduction and we will lose five million quid because we go down two, yeah. two places. Yeah. That that is effectively five points and five million quid that you lose in the Premier League, or whatever, is the same as your standalone ten point deduction. It has the same impact, and that that that, that would be my my appeal. Uh, that would be the basis of my appeal. The other thing as well is, which I think might come out, and I'll be arguing, is twenty two twenty three is we were operating on the basis that the Premier League were quite happy with our submission in March 22 that they would allow these allowances, you know, in terms of spending. But to take, then say they weren't, we may have spent money in 22-23, assuming the Premier League were okay with that. But the fact that the Premier League took nine months to tell us, no, we're not okay, we, thought, we could argue, well, we've spent money on the basis of you, you were okay because you haven't got back to us. They accepted it. So there's, there's, I think 22-23, which has gone already, could be as incestant <laughs> as a three-year cycle, as incestant as the one that the commissioners um, just 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 uh, found out about. And, and I think that's coming out. Our accounts have to read the Premier League, I think, December, isn't yeah. it? Because they want to get everything back. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's everyone, though, is everyone? Yeah, everyone, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and um, what this whole process has shown, and I always say about this, though, and I, do I, like... The Martin Yell statements is one once you you know you, you rip away the, the glitz and the glamour, football's organised in a very amateurish way. Mm. And some of this thing that you you see the Premier League's behaviour in the Commission, um, the fact that they didn't have a penalty and they decided to try and instigate one, the fact they took nine months to get back to us, um, the fact that you know they they, they wait a year, they wait up to a year for people's accounts. Mm. Well, that's that's a, that's not running a very you know very good way, is it really? Um, and that's the, that commission's already, I think, shown that up. That actually, the, not only do Everton need to improve on such matters, but so does the Premier League. Yeah, and it's ironic, isn't it? Because obviously, the big argument is well, the big, the big point is that a lot of this is being done to prevent an independent regulator coming in from the government. Yeah, well, that's to, to, thing. To, 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 yeah. To, to make sweeping changes and smarten things up. And, and yeah, if anything, even though the Premier League have still find Everton, it's done nothing to suggest that they actually can run their house in a fit. Fit and proper purpose, and Man-, Man City's lawyers will be all over it. Oh, this as well, won't they? Because they, you know, they undermines the Premier League's case of Man City, and that's not helped us if the Premier League don't deal with Everton. You know, quite strictly, because because if they don't, Man City will, will argue well they can't even you know play their own rules with another club, so and up and it undermines mm. their argument, doesn't it? So I think that that and the, the regulator, I think the time and the commissioner's not being great for for Everton, has it really? Don't think anyone's been surprised with the defiance Everton fans have, have exactly. reacted to the ten point deduction. Kind of surprised me a little bit. I, I think it's fair to say that Everton certainly nowadays aren't media darlings. And uh, but across the board, you know, from a lot, a lot, of, a lot of fellow supporters, pundits, are basically saying this is it's just it's excessive, isn't it? It's you know disproportionate, and I'm not sure that'll have any impacts on the appeal process, but. Surely the Premier League must be seeing the reaction that's you know that's that's you know come out over the last couple of days, and I'm sure they're going to see it at Goodison Park on next Sunday when Manchester United comes. But it feels too much, this doesn't it? The ten point deduction. It feels like it's set a precedence where you know in years to come you're going to have asterisks next to a number of teams, and if they're trying to protect the, the integrity of the competition, I'm I'm not sure 
handing out deductions to size in this is the way to go. But we don't know why it's be, why it is 10 points stop. You can only really say that once you know why, do you know, and if they oblige to what comes out in the appeals process. So, um, you know, and sort of take your time over that and also how cases similar to Everton will be treated like that in the future. As I say, if somebody else lose runs in 24 million over three years and get fined 10 points, so well. That context of the future is important. We'll only really be able to judge Everton's punishment once we see other cases play out and whether or not they do play out to a certain extent. But I do think some of the shock has come from the fact that whilst this is an unprecedented scenario for punishment for this type of thing, when you compare it to punishments that have been handed out by the Premier League for you know, in order to protect this integrity in the past, that's another element where you look at it and you do think they're probably been hard done by because, you know, all right, we have a very, very small you know, sample of, of, of cases, but you know, if you look at Portsmouth going yeah. into administration, you know, nine points now, you would argue that a club going into administration with the negative, you know, the cri- potentially crippling impact that can have on the footballing ecosystem mm-hmm. around it, the clubs that owe us money to the community initiatives and the local businesses that rely upon a sustainable Premier League club within their own financial ecosystem. Well, that's more ruinous to the integrity of the Premier League, really, than ever, and breaching spending limits by £19.5 million over a consolidated four-year period. And when you look at that nine points or ten points, you're left scratching your head. And also, I know like other fans of other clubs see this, I think, as a little bit childish from an Everton perspective. But I do think there is some merit to the argument over the whole Super League thing and, and the reaction to that. Now, look, the Super League wasn't an attempt from the six clubs to break away from the Premier League. They still would have been carried on in the Premier League. It was a break away from the Champions League. But by creating that closed shop at the top of European football, they would have completely undermined the sporting integrity of the Premier League and also the kind of the merit-based system of any club can achieve anything because... Well, where the riches are in the Champions League and the top of the you know, tier of European competition, in theory, any club can get to that. But due to its performance on the pitch, we could have potentially clubs winning the Premier League and not being able to get into that top tier because it becomes a closed shop. Now, all right, this is a completely different scenario to the financial breach that Everton have got, and it's very difficult to compare the two. But again, if the fundamental principle at the heart of what Everton's are being punished for is to protect the integrity of the Premier League. Well, I mean, surely, again, more injurious to the integrity of the Premier League is something like that Super League plan. And while we saw six clubs get you know, essentially fined a combined total of £22 million. And, and again, it's that difficulty of trying to weigh up what we have seen in the past and compare it to what we're seeing here now, which I think adds to that feeling that, of shock, really, of the, the fact that the extended had got to 10 points. I think it's intrigued, isn't it? Like, everyone's intrigued as to know why why they've come to the position that they're in, how they've come to this standard. You know what Josh is there about business. It's quite interesting because I remember talking to someone with the Football League a few years ago and they talk about administration. I think Sheffield Wednesday this almighty budget or bigger might have just gone into administration. They lost 12 points instantly. Uh, they said, well, basically, administration is the worst thing you can do in football. Yeah. It's the worst thing because, like Joe's looking to, the knock-on effects it has, not just on the football club, but obviously, you know, businesses don't get paid. The police don't get paid. It's, you know, stuff yeah, like all, yeah, yeah. all the costs around going into admin and what it causes and the position it leaves a lot of people in, not just people in that football club, but people who are connected to the football club. So that's why you always instantly got hit with a, a push deduction in the most severe way possible is because you are committing the worst crime that you can commit. So for Everton to be fine, we're about to be having more points to look at this morning, being in administration, 
does seem quite baffling. And I think as well, you know, it's quite ironic, isn't it, when you know, they talk about not finding Everton because they've got a rich owner. We had the six richest club in the Premier League. You've got to combine five of like four million quid each. Is like yeah. again, it's just you know you're left scratching your head. And the only thing you can think of is Everton have been clearly made an example of the big high don't, profile. We don't know. We've best we've contributed to, haven't we? You know, I mean, I, I don't really. I, I sort of. I get the context of like that, you know, uh, of the regulator, and, and I get that. But at the end of the day, if you read the paperwork, we've. we've no, but the, the, the last the last paragraph is damning, isn't it? Really, what it mm-hmm. says about you know we, we it's, it's something that's three years in in, in the making, isn't it? Or probably Maybe longer, long, isn't yeah. it? You know, and so it's not as if it just happened overnight. And I I I, I can see I can see why the judgment is well. I know why the judgment is fine. Not got a problem with that. I'm not got a problem with how much they saved one hundred twenty four million. It's just it's just the just the ten points would like to like you know like an explanation for and the fact that is also a fine of. 10 million quid probably you know I don't I think that's been overlooked hasn't it in the judgments uh, to be fair and that's what should be the basis of well that's my basis of the the appeal but it's just been interesting to see what all the cases follow and do other clubs who are part of the big six who have overspent not yet you know i.e. Chelsea what what is the process gone that's gone gone on with them over the, over the three years like it's gone on with everything I think you're speaking with the Premier League or whatever was it ultimately and that, that, that goes back to Joe's point isn't it and, and, and yours Con. it is just that you know the Premier League has got the perception that it favours six clubs mm. possibly seven you know that, and ahead of other, other clubs and that goes from VAR to, to you know this type of stuff to the three and a half million pound fans and and um, th- there's nothing happening <laughs> In this particular judgment, to, to, to <laughs> like you say, that's not ne- not necessarily the case, is it? Really, I suppose. Yeah, and there's no um, uh, introspection about the the competition in which that they've helped to create. Whereby, if you're a club that is outside that Champions League, you know, um, compete for Champions League places, obviously you're almost forced into a situation whereby you need to kind of like spend gamble on spending yeah. in order and hope that it's then backed up with sports and performance obviously we've seen the likes of, of Brighton and, and other you know, clubs that perhaps give it a different argument and show that things are possible but now that they're trying to you know, they still haven't broken into the top four or anything no. like that there's still a big difference between what the limit of what they've been able to achieve despite being how, how run they are there's no kind of introspection to say Maybe we help. Maybe the Premier League helped to create this situation where it yeah. was felt that it needs to act in this manner in order to try and be competitive with its own competition. And when you're talking about sporting integrity, you know, creating that, creating that that that, that gulf between those at the very top and how much money they get, and then the rest of it. Well, yeah, to say there's there's no introspection here from the Premier League yeah, yeah. On, on their role. Yeah. It's the same as well, isn't it? When you look at like the Championship, EFL to the Premier League, the gulf from going from the Championship to the Premier League is so big that that's why Beals of Derby County yeah. has gambled massively and nearly sent themselves into ruin because they looked at the Premier League and thought if we can get in there for one season that will you know take us to another level and through you know a lot of money at it didn't work out didn't get the performance that they, they, they thought they were going to get obviously beating in the playoff final and then three years later we're fighting to survive it's that the beast that the Premier League is has meant that everyone is either playing catch up in some way or having to go ahead of themselves and and probably put more money in what they sh- they probably yeah. should do to try and achieve something that they want to do at that big end of the Premier League, beat the Premier League or get in the top four. 
ultimately that that is the context to to this decision, isn't it? Really, that dreaming bit, isn't it? And that's when it says yeah, it it start. Yeah, you know, got far had ball, but came in, wanted to do X, Y, and Z. Okay, it's been executed on it. You know, not in the best way as we all know, but that ultimately is. You'd argue that yes, okay, the the, the hundred and twenty four million loss, okay, but the reason behind that is mm. just that is the fact that the only way that you are going to try and compete is by incurring hundred and twenty four million yeah. losses over over three years, isn't it? And, and you're punished yeah. for it. And the Premier League, lucky went to go and go and Leicester have the miraculous rise in the Premier League glory because everyone, but that's it, you can do it. Not to be a millionaire, but now. Look, at, I was just saying, really? uh, do anyone yeah. ever think someone other than the top six going to win the title? No, no I wouldn't no. even say top six. I'd probably say top three. Yeah. And even put more barriers to... So in, well, yeah. That was the message, wasn't it? <laughs> this can't be allowed to happen again, you know, with Leicester. And it's probably not the best weekend to announce that they're looking at, like, this redistribute oh, money. Oh, yeah. Well, like, it's I think this is it, and it's like, is it the heart of, 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 of perhaps why... There's so much fury and anger over the, the the size of the punishment because if the most important thing to the Premier League is the sporting integrity of its own competition, it's had so many opportunities in so many different ways to get its house in order over recent years, and it seems to have chosen Everton <coughs> now to as, as being the time to act. And I think that's kind of almost you're part you're part of the question in you know, why Everton and why now. Now we know somebody adds that. Look, we started this program. I think. By saying and when we repeated it throughout, Evan are being made an example of because they're the first example of anything like this. Now they're in that position for the club's own fault. The club have put themselves in a position whereby you know, they were vulnerable to, to this type of, of investigation. They've made it easy for the Premier League to choose them. But what is galling is there are so many, it's so hypocritical, and there are so many contradictions in the Premier League's approach to so many different other elements that there isn't as if. You can look at the Premier League's actions over recent years and say there is a consistent narrative that's running through their actions, which is we want to make this a more fair competition and this we're going to do this, 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 yeah. this, and this. It's, we're turning a blind eye here, we're turning a blind eye here, we're going to help the big six here, we're going to turn a blind eye there. Oh, Everton have overstepped, now we're going to go for yeah. it. Yeah. And it's very difficult to kind of look at all this and not feel that you know, Everton haven't you know, fallen into the trap of, the, of being almost... In, in the wrong place at the wrong time just as a Premier League just as that conversation finally starts to gather momentum about an independent regulator Everton have walked into their, into their sites and well, we put ourselves in the place but, but that, we, that, yes, that's the that's problem it, it, that's it, the place. and, and I, right, I mean this is the word and I don't think this has really been discussed enough within this really it's like you know it's the atmosphere of the Premier League that does generate this type of behaviour from clubs and, and you're going back about the points thing you know, rather than you know, give more money to the clubs at the top, the Premier League should be giving more money to the clubs yeah. at the bottom to make it fair and, and equitable. Yeah. You know, if you if you wanted competition, they talk, as I said, you mentioned in the report about you know uh, competitive advantage or whatever the phrase is. Well, if you want to have proper competitive advantages or you know level it up, give more money to the teams at the bottom and take that the top well, six on the TV money. If you want, if you want that, if you, mm-hmm. you know, by you, you, you're making it more disadvantageous to clubs at the bottom by doing that, which is constantly what you said in the report with mm-hmm. the commission. You know, and 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 so the, the, I think there's that wider context which I think is worthy of uh, further discussion, isn't there, about why the clubs and and that way, and does the Premier League bear some responsibility because of the way it operates and the way it rewards clubs? I think that I think that's a fair I think that's a fair discussion. It just opens into question the point of financial fair play, or as it's known now, profit and sustainability rules. Is it to protect clubs like Everton from getting into problems like they have, or is it basically to safeguard? Maybe the top six because 
the disparity in terms of revenues are so different, aren't they? What's the alternative? You have like somebody like Saudi or you know Abu Dhabi or Qatar. If they had an unlimited budget to spend on players, if you didn't have of sustainability, they could. What, how would that work? I do think there's something about. I do think there should be something about a wage cap where you can't spend so much. You know, no club can spend X amount on wages. I think. I think that's something to look at. But if you didn't. I get, I get the arguments around profit and sustainability around it. It protects the big club for the alternative if you didn't have it and give clubs unlimited spending power. Mm. Imagine if Newcastle, mm. they could do with unlimited spending power and you're backed by the Saudi government. What Manchester City could do. The goal's yeah, I think well, yeah, well, they could have a squad of 25 players, couldn't they? Well, it's what Manchester City have done. Well, have yeah, done, yeah, but they, have they could done. do it even better. Yeah. Chelsea did it before, Chelsea did it where they stockpiled players, you know, you think yeah. of... But a lot of players went to Steve Sidwell and died. People like that who were good players and then yeah. go there and then they'll play. But if it wasn't for a Chelsea or a Manchester City, it still would have been Liverpool, Arsenal, Manchester United. It's still a closed shop, you know. But, yeah. But, but it gathers right. I'm not sure I'm advocating. No, no, but there's, there's another, I think what we're saying, that there's another way of balancing, balancing it where you don't have profit and sustainability, but you have this position where you're in and you don't have it where anybody can spend what they want. Though far I've made a good effort to that, to be fair. There's something, there's an alternative that levels the playing field a little bit more and, and makes it fair. And, and I do think that, you know, one of them could be, you can't spend more than £400 million a year on majors, full stop. I think it was well old shows, isn't it, that for all the talk of football and, and everything involved in it, it's all about recruitment. Oh, yeah, you get yeah, yeah, recruitment rights, yeah. you know. Absolutely. Because obviously, in that money, what far I spent early on, if they'd have got, you know, half them signings right. Things could have turned out very, very differently. And they certainly wouldn't be finding themselves in a position now, but it's all down to recruitment and get the right people in. Just before we wrap up, obviously we've heard from you guys today. Everton responded imminently, uh, straight away, then they we heard from Colin Chong, the interim chief executive. We've heard from so many pundits. We've heard so many viewpoints. Probably the only people we've not heard viewpoints from yet, Joe, are the manager and the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, understandably because it's the international break I know Jordan Pickford tried to be stopped in the mix zone after England's game on Friday night and quite rightly swerved that question England under 21 to play in at Goodison Park tomorrow night in normal circumstances imagine Jared, Jared Bramfrey would have been put up today and you can't really put him in that situation I'm not sure you should put Sean Dykes in that situation but he's the manager of the club and that's what he's going to have to do later this week but I think as a supporter not just a journalist at the Echo I, I had anger on Friday mm. over the, the 10 point deduction. I still do. I, like you three guys have eloquently put so far on the podcast, it's it's Everson's own making this situation, but I still have that anger. And I, 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 I love the way that the fans have rallied around. And it, it's, you know, I think we're going to see the Goodison Bear Pit, aren't we, on Sunday and probably for the rest of the season, whether it's right or wrong to, yeah. to be Everton versus mm. the world and versus the Premier League. It might actually help in this situation. And while in the Premier League table it's not catastrophic isn't it two points drift to safety my concern is in the moment how are those players going to feel because they've just it's they've just got Everton to mid-table they've just come on the back of what six wins in nine and I know Connor Cody is the only kind of person who's broke ranks at the moment because he he was interviewed at a charity event over the weekend and he kind of get the standard line the players you know the players can't affect it. They'll, you know, you just have to get on with it. And it is a standard line. I do agree with that to a certain extent, but I can't help but feel, Joe, be pretty disappointed. I think that initially, I think it'll have a galvanising effect. I mean, this isn't going to be the difference between Evan, say, finishing the table and getting into Europe or 
yeah, finishing top six and this just missed out on top four. Um, yes, yeah, I think this was the table and mid, mid table. This was a season when mid table was the best um, as possible, uh, ending for Everton. Um, but I, I do think that they will see this as an attack on them, and I think they will rally around each other. I think Sean Dyche is someone who's very effective at kind of mobilising us against the world, and I think mm-hmm. that you know, when they step out onto that pitch, uh, uh, Goodison, you know, under the lights. And the TV cameras being, you know, being in pictures all around the world, they'll see the best part of forty thousand blues making clear their disgust at the treatment, their perceived disgust at the treatment by the, by 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 the Premier League, uh, and I think that that will have a rallying effect. I I, I think that, yeah, you know, the ten points gives it. Evan still have a very good chance. It's still favourites to say at this season, I think, mm. uh, and I think it will help almost. It would always help them build on the momentum that they've created, rather than creating what might have been a sense of complacency going into in, into the into the winter months, whereby they'd already built up a buffer. All of a sudden, there's a, a sporting need to carry on the, the trend. So I actually think that it, they will respond positively on the pitch, and that they you know, that this will be a catalyst that will help you know, fuel the club, fuel the players going forward. The only danger for me, I think, forever, and is just mentioned there what they have done now is this doesn't mean that they haven't had a good start to the season it doesn't mean that they haven't embarked on a good run of form this doesn't mean that the club isn't making pro- progress but what it has done is it's removed that safety net and that buffer that they built up to the bottom mm. three bottom four even and I think my only concern or my concern from this is we have said for weeks and weeks how difficult December is yeah, I think there's eight games you know, when you include the Carabao Cup game Likes a Chelsea, likes a Newcastle, likes a Spurs, likes a City, um, as well as big games against you know, clubs around like Forest and Burnley. Now, I think we've all made clear that as, as positive as the sides have been on the pitch, we know that that progress is fragile because this isn't a very big squad. Uh, and it is heavily reliant on a handful of players that are crucial to making the one system that it has work. And the danger is that I think if you get into December and perhaps Everton don't start picking up the points to help them build up that gap again, which could happen because they are playing some very, very good side. They could play very, very well against the likes of Manchester United and Chelsea and Spurs and still not get the points. And what they might see is other clubs around them start to pick up points. It only takes Burnley to get their house in order and all of a sudden things become a little bit more problematic for Everton. Bournemouth look like they might already have started to make a few positive changes. So I think in the short term, I think I don't think this will have a negative effect on the pitch. My only concern is if the impact and the anger and the fury wears off in a couple of weeks and they haven't continued that form and they start to look around them and they're four games deep into December and they're knackered and they pick up a few injuries and pick up a few suspensions a few of those players are on four yellow cards now and then they're looking at Spurs coming up next or they're looking at Chelsea coming up next and they're seeing that Burnley have had a little bit of form or mm. they're seeing Burnley you know, news of Burnley's investors are, spending, are going to spend a lot of money in January that's that's my point where it just starts to kind of have a have a, an effect on the pitch hopefully it doesn't come to that but that's that, that that's my only worry I don't think we'll get there like I think Everton will be safe but I think that's probably the one thing that we've just got to be a little bit worried about. I think it's, it's the feeling sorry for yourself, isn't it? Yeah. For that trap of like, you know, like I think Joel Wright says, it should galvanise them for this weekend against Man United and maybe next weekend and, and the weekend after. But, you know, if they get beat by Burnley or get beat by Forest, and 
things aren't going our way, they start feeling a bit sorry for themselves. Yeah. And, and maybe looking around and thinking, well, actually, you know, we wouldn't be in the position we would if we'd have had the 10 points, we could have been, you know, mid-table. And it's that, it's how quickly the emotions can change in football. Yeah. We saw last season where, you know, let's face it, after the Newcastle game, Everton looked dead and buried and mm. destined for the championship. And we're in both well, 12 days, they went to Brighton, all 5 1, everyone was convinced that we were going to stay up. So emotions can change quickly in football. Yeah, yeah. You just hope that it doesn't go the opposite way where a few bad results and a few, you know, difficult matches and the confidence drains a little bit and people start going, well, actually, we should really be in this position because we should be 10 points better off. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a danger, isn't it? The fact that I think it can be a very powerful driving force, just us against the world mentality. Mm-hmm. But then, if, say, for instance, you know, Bruno Fernandes and Marcus Rashford turn up on Sunday and it becomes a very difficult game. Yeah. And then Jab Bravway gets booked and he's out for the next game. And then all of a sudden, in two weeks' time, you're looking and it's, you know, it's not one win from safety, it's two or three with, yeah. with more big clubs to coming up. And, yeah. and then, it, then we've seen how, in the past few years, this dressing room is susceptible to going from us against the world as a powerful thing to the world is against us. Yeah. And then it gets on a negative trajectory and the challenge might be for Sean Dyche to make sure that that doesn't happen if, say, for instance, you know, the form doesn't continue in the way it has done before. This and that force, I suppose, is good old English, isn't it? Oh, we should be 10 points better off. Yeah. Because it's going to be well spoken about. It's going to be talked about for weeks. It's 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 also isn't going to, it's not going to, there's not going to be a, a, a pot in January to mm. help strengthen the squad. It's going to have to be, you know, we still don't know what the outcome is with 777, the takeover. But either way, I think... I think this will be in the summer as well, even if they do take over, but it's still going to be a, a January where they have to make the most of what they've got and continue the same trend that has, has been in place for several transfer windows now. Whereas you would think the likes of Burnley and Bournemouth, who both had relatively recent takeovers, both with the spectre of, of relegation, what that do to the investment that's already been made, mm-hmm. you would think surely they would pump more money into January to try and protect what they've already got rather than you know, keep that money to themselves and risk you know, what is a very catastrophic relegation or can be a catastrophic relegation well we'll, we'll call it there lads because, uh, we're back on Friday for preview that <laughs> Manchester United game and uh, listen and look back at what Sean Knight said to say at his press conference and, and who knows what the next four or five days <laughs> going to bring we might be back tomorrow with this race it is is it a fourth podcast in four days or three so, yeah. four yeah so we say we'll be back on Friday but uh, Gav Connor Joe thanks very much You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 